You're listening to the West End Frame Show. Hello and welcome to the West End Frame Show, putting theatre in the frame and keeping you up to date with everything going on in the West End and beyond. I'm your host and West End Frame editor, Andrew Tomlins, and today I'm flying solo for a mini episode of the podcast. It feels like it's been forever since I've done one of these solo episodes, so let's hope I remember how to do it. Thank you so much for keeping me company. I feel like I've been quite good today and rather than just recording this at home in my pyjamas, I'm in my studio, I've come into London, I'm in the podcasting studio um, where I usually record and we have lots to talk about. It could get a little bit controversial with some of the shows we have to discuss, so um, maybe it's for the best that I'm on my own. Um, But before we dive in and and get controversial and discuss everything going on in Theatreland this week, I just wanted to say a massive thank you to everyone who got in touch last week to wish West Ham Frame a very happy 8th birthday. It was lots of fun doing the podcast with my friend Matt and we had lots of cake and it was nice to kind of reflect. It was so funny when I was talking about my age and stuff. Some of my friends, some people listening were a little bit surprised <laughs> and I got some funny messages afterwards. Um, but no, it was a nice it was a nice way to celebrate eight years of West Ham Framing. Don't forget that in the frame, our other podcasts, it's our, our interviews podcast, is back this Friday to kick off series two. Somehow, I feel like we only just started that one, but somehow it, we're already, it's already time to start series two. Um, the first episode is with the amazing Anita Harris who's currently on tour in Cabaret, but she's a total legend. It was one of these dreamy interviews where I sat down with her, uh, we were in Oxford, and she was just everything you would want and more. She's, you know, she's a national treasure and showbiz royalty for an absolute reason. Um, and she was singing. She didn't stop singing. Um, and in fact, I'm actually, I've got a little preview clip to play later in the episode. So stay tuned for that. And make sure you search in the frame and Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast, and have a listen to the first episode of Series 2 this Friday. Right, let's dive in, let's get started. So there is lots of talk about in today's episode. Coming up, we are going to be discussing the Prince of Egypt, to be more chill and on your feet. There's lots of news about the Watson Stage Awards and Bat Out of Hell. Plus, we'll be finding out what's going on over on Broadway. Okay, so first up, we are going to talk about the news. So the big news this week, we had a big theatrical showbizy event. It was the Watson Stage Awards on Sunday at the Prince of Wales Theatre. And for the first time ever, actually, they were broadcast on BBC Radio 2. So hopefully lots of people were able to tune in and listen to them live. It's a massive step forward, actually, for those awards. I've been to the Watson Stage Awards quite a few times. It's always a good night. It's always as stagey as you could possibly imagine. But Alex Parker and the kind of band, the orchestra they have, always do a brilliant job. And there's always some amazing performances. It's a good fun, good fun awards ceremony. The awards are voted for by the public, so inevitably sometimes it does become a bit of a popularity contest. I mean, it is essentially, I guess, a popularity contest. However, 
What I like about the awards this year is it's not dominated by one show, especially. Well, actually, no. I think with plays and musicals, it's kind of a mix of winners. You know, not it's not the fans of one show who are just winning that that show all of the awards, which is quite quite nice. So the big winner of the night was Anne Juliet. They had an amazing night, and good for them. So they won six awards, including Best Actress in a Musical for the phenomenal Miriam Teakley. Come From Away won five awards from five nominations, which is so impressive. They won Best Choreography, uh, they won Best New Musical, and the dream that is Rachel Tucker won Best Supporting Actress in a Musical. But unfortunately, she wasn't there because she is now in America preparing to reprise her performance as Beverly in the Broadway production of Come From Away, so she's super, super busy. Dear Evan Hansen, which actually, if I was a betting man, I'd put money on Dear Evan Hansen winning more awards um it won two awards in the acting categories so sam tutty won best actor in a musical and then jack loxton won best supporting actor in a musical i still haven't seen sam play evan i I must go back in the next few weeks and go and catch him actually but i saw jack in the show and he is absolutely hilarious he's so brilliant um so really nice to see two younger fresh actors winning those awards then Andrew Scott and Sophie Thompson won Best Actor and Best Supporting Actress for their performances in the Old Vic's revival of Present Laughter. I never saw that live, but I saw the, the screening they did. And I mean, especially Sophie Thompson, I just thought was so exquisitely funny. And Andrew Scott is an amazing actor, so really well deserved for both of them. Um, and elsewhere, Claire Foy won Best Actress for her performance in Lungs, which was also at the Old Vic. So the Old Vic had a had an amazing night. So as as part of this kind of new broadcast package that the Watson Stage Awards had with BBC Radio 2, there was a new BBC Radio 2 Audience Award for Best West End Musical. I think the criteria for this award is that the musical had to be running for at least over a year. So it was for all the all the long running musicals. And six the musical picked up the award and I think eight of the Queens were there to accept it and to party the night away. Director Jamie Lloyd was a big winner on the night with his West End production of Harold Pinter's Betrayal winning Best Play Revival. Jamie also won the Best Direction Award for his open air theatre revival of Evita. So lots of amazing people were out there winning awards, looking fabulous in other news, Aaron Taylor-Johnson and Steve Pemberton will star in The Pillow Man at the Duke of York's Theatre from July. Come From Away and Tina have extended their West End booking periods, while Six has also extended its UK tour. And finally, Glenn Adamson and Martha Kirby will star as Strat and Raven in the upcoming tour of Bat Out of Hell. Sharon Sexton and Rob Fowler will return to the production as Sloane and Falco, reprising the roles that they originated. Okay, now we are on to show talk. So there has been so much talk in the West End over the past week about Prince of Egypt, which received its official opening at the Dominion Theatre. This is a big deal. It's been written by Stephen Schwartz, um, who, of course, wrote the score for the movie. And, you know, a new musical opening at a Dominion Theatre. It's huge. It's a big, big deal. 
And I feel like there's been a lot of build-up as well. All the kind of costume sketches and images and sneak peeks that we've kind of seen have been really exciting and, and got everyone really pumped for the show. They've been doing a brilliant job, actually. You may have seen the response from the newspapers, uh, well, from the, from the majority of critics, has been overwhelmingly negative. There's been quite a few two-star, one-star, a few, a couple of three-star reviews. It's been, it's had a really tough time. And I actually think, I, I was there in person and I think there are some valid points raised, but I do think the overall response is a little too harsh. I think it's a bit over the top. So it's a biblical story retelling the journey of Moses as he leads to parting the Red Sea. Um, it's, uh, I have to say, I, I didn't think I'd seen the film, but then recently, I kind of, thinking about it, I've kind of had flashbacks of watching it as a child, but I don't remember an awful lot about the original film, so I can't sit here and do a whole load of comparisons. For me, the biggest thing about it, I, I think maybe it needed some out-of-town tryout, it needed a bit further development before just opening in the West End. It's a long show, it's got a two-hour, 40-minute runtime, which I think is a long runtime for this story specifically. I don't think this story specifically needs to be told in two hours and 40 minutes. It's a long time to be sitting there. And the music, I I, I like the new music. There's, from what I understand, there's five songs from the movie, like Deliver Us, All I Ever Wanted, Through Heaven's Eyes, The Plagues. Um, and of course, When You Believe, which is the song we're all obsessed with that Whitney and Mariah famously did a version of. So you've got those five songs and then you have 10 brand new songs, which Stephen Schwartz has written for the score. And I love the new music. I thought the music overall was was brilliant. And I actually really want a cast album so I can hear it again. Because they're great songs, but I didn't think in the context of the show they, they they aided the plot. The plot wasn't being pushed forward. It felt very starty, stoppy, starty, stoppy. Um and the book was clunky and it, it just felt like stuff needed to be cut and refined. And considering the runtime was that long, certain parts of the story I didn't feel were clear. You know, there's some things that were happening children being killed and so you're kind of like what what's going on here what's happening and I think it's hard to know actually whether that is purely the book or purely the direction or an amalgamation of everything I don't know if something have something happened with the creative team it's almost like everything didn't quite gel together in the right way because visually I thought it looked beautiful I loved the design there's this kind of fringy draping which is then projected onto and it's also the additional projections on the kind of on the back wall of the kind of pyramids and I, I thought it looked absolutely beautiful and I, I won't give away all the details about how the sea is parted later on but it's done in a very creative way everything's very theatrical which I think is important because so often now everything just relies on projections. But I like that visually it was it was theatrical and it required a bit of imagination and it was creative. And I thought it looked absolutely stunning. But I don't feel like everything came together. The music was beautiful, but it halted the story. It didn't fit in with the book always entirely. I absolutely loved the ensemble. I thought the ensemble just stole the show. In fact, it was the best use of an ensemble that I have seen since Evita. In Evita, the ensemble was just working their socks off. They didn't leave the stage the first act of the show. And this was kind of a similar situation. The ensemble are off and they're on and they're off and they're on. 
There's a lot of them. I mean, the cast has 43 members. It's a huge cast. Um, and they are just going, the ensemble are going full out. And they're all beautiful as well. It was sickening to watch, actually. <laughs> I thought Sean Cheeseman's choreography was on point. The reviews do comment on how the story is actually unclear and how if you didn't have prior knowledge of the story and another film, you may find it very confusing. And I and I agree with those kind of points that are raised. But actually, in terms of the design and the music and the choreography, people aren't purely agreeing. There's actually a lot of different... There's people having different opinions and different slants in it. I thought visually the choreography and the design was great. I thought the story was told in a kind of drawn out way and I just think it needs to be refined and that the music I I don't think lyrically it's strong actually I think lyrically is where it's let down and where I wish you know when you think of Stephen Schwartz I think of songs like Meadowlark from The Baker's Wife Meadowlark is a beautiful storytelling number and then you think of like uh, No One Mourns the Wicked in Wicked which is the first five minutes of the show and it just sets up the entire thing immediately and gives you so much backstory so quickly and I thought that's what Prince of Egypt was kind of lacking, you know. Stephen Schwartz is an incredible composer. And I think the reason he's one of my favourite composers is because he's constantly reinventing himself and adapting his style for the different shows that he's working on. So, I mean, this the, musically, there were some lovely references, cultural references in there, and it had a very identifiable sound. And I thought the new music that he'd written fitted in perfectly with the pre-existing music that he'd written for the original film but I just think lyrically and structurally these songs weren't telling the story and moving things forward because it should be two hours max really Alexia Kadeem I just adore her and when she sings When You Believe it's just absolutely stunning and Christine Aliado is also absolutely phenomenal she was lots of people have seen her in Hamilton and in the Heights but it's so wonderful to see her here in a leading role she is beautiful and she is so talented I absolutely love her voice she's a big 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 star I don't think it's as bad as some people are making out but I do think work needs to be done I do think it needs to be cut cut down and there's kind of some development to do in there hopefully this show can settle and it can continue to have future life um so prince of egypt is booking at the dominion theater until saturday the 31st of october 2020 the other show that i saw this week was be more chill so interestingly be more chills history the show began by getting awful reviews and the, the the New York Times review was so bad that the original regional run of Be More Chill finished and then that was going to be it. It was kind of no talk of off-Broadway, Broadway, nothing because of the reviews. Then it was social media and music streaming that gave this show a second life. It ended up coming to New York and having a sold-out run off-Broadway. Before then, it found its way to Broadway. So it's had a tough time with the critics. However, the British critics absolutely loved it. It got amazing reviews. I I don't know, maybe I'm being a bit cynical here, but you do wonder if that kind of online power that a show like Be More Chill has kind of then has influence over the critics. You know, are are they aware of this power that it has? Hopefully not. I think it's really important when you're a critic to to not be influenced by all of those things. But it was just interesting to see the response of Be More Chill versus Prince of Egypt. Be More Chill, it is 
It already feels like a cult classic. I saw it on Broadway and it was great to see it again. It follows a teenager who takes a pill to become more popular. And being more popular and social acceptance is very much the theme of this show. Everything is kind of stereotyped times 25. And I think these kind of stories are actually relatable to everyone. Everyone's been to school. Everyone deep down remembers what it's like. This 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 show's a little bit scary, actually, in times. So uh, when I saw Be More Chill on Broadway, I didn't love it. It wasn't my favourite show of the trip. I didn't think it was the best thing I'd seen. And I felt like the style was a bit over the top for me. However, seeing it again, I, I, I much preferred it this time around. I'm really happy they got to see it again. I think it's a very clever show and I think it sits better in a more intimate space. So it's now running in London at the Other Palace Theatre, which is so intimate. And you're kind of peering in down these characters. And it's very little set, very kind of just basic costume. Um, it, it doesn't need a lot. It's all about the script, really, which is so funny, plus also the music. And I think it sits better in a more intimate house. Rather on Broadway, I felt like it got a bit lost and the style kind of just fell a bit flat almost after a while with, with the audience. Here, I think it was it was funny because you could feel the more individual responses from the audience, you know? People were in hysterics, people were loving it. And I felt like it was easier for the cast to get the audience on side and to take them with them on this kind of weird journey that they have. I think the British cast are very good, especially the, the female talent in this show is absolutely unreal. However, Blake Patrick Anderson, who plays Michael, is gives a massive star turn. People, if you have not heard the song Michael in the Bathroom yet, I'd be very surprised if you haven't. But if you haven't, you need to go and listen to it. It's such a good number. And Blake does an incredible job. It's an absolute masterclass in acting through song. Uh, it's just genius. A genius, genius song. I actually think Act 2 is stronger than Act 1. But I think that's what Matt Hemley, who was with me last week, I think that's what he said as well last week on the podcast. It's The, the, the numbers kind of pick up, actually. And there's, there's lots of very funny moments, kind of one after the other. And it finds its it kind of finds its groove a bit more. I think ultimately, this show is never going to be my favourite show. I don't think it, it, it doesn't, I don't know why, it doesn't speak to me, it doesn't, doesn't grab me, it doesn't, I don't find that kind of humour, my specific type of humour and the style that appeals to me most. But I do think it's a clever piece of theatre and I totally understand why it's had the reaction that it has had and why it's become so popular. It's almost like a new generation of, of musical theatre and I think that's really exciting actually. And it's so impressive for a show to already feel like a cult classic when it's still pretty early on in its journey. I feel like Be More Chill is a show that we're going to hear about for years to come. So if you want to see Be More Chill, it has just extended its run at the Other Palace until Sunday the 14th of June, making it the longest running show in the theatre's history. I also went to see On Your Feet this week, the UK tour. I went to see it in Wimbledon. So this is the Gloria Estefan show. And it's another, actually similarly to Be More Chill, it's another show that I'm, I was seeing for the second time and that I enjoyed more second time round. So first time I saw On Your Feet, it was at the London Coliseum. And I just think that venue was not the right place 
for this show to have its premiere. Glorious music, as we all know, it's it's kind of infectious and it's upbeat and it's fun. You want to feel the rhythms going through your soul, you know? But I think at the Coliseum that was lost and the cast worked so hard, but they were just so far away. I was actually, I think On Your Feet works better in a slightly more intimate house. The Savoy Theatre were doing perfect for On Your Feet, actually. So it's currently, I, well, I saw it at the new Wimbledon Theatre. I always have a little trip to Wimbledon. And the show, it just felt so much more intimate. When it started, the bands are quite close and they're kind of on this this track, this moving piece of stage, and they, they then go back. But to have them so close to start off with and then some dancers coming out you immediately you felt like you were there you felt like you were soaking in the atmosphere which was really really exciting and then I think that kind of set the tone for the night ultimately with this show I don't think the book is strong enough I don't think it, the story kind of grabs you in the same way that beautiful does you know it's, it's hard when you're telling an artist story it's it's a hard thing to craft the, the, the show around someone's life using all the music without it feeling forced. In fact, I'd say another good example of how of a good one is The Share Show. I love The Share Show. I thought that was utterly like fabulous and electrifying. I feel like On Your Feet, the book is a bit weak. And also the placement of songs. So many of the songs have kept right to the end uh, for the, like, the final kind of like mega mix and the, the final moments. Whereas there's quite a lot of kind of ballads that are put in and there's kind of some big moments where the energy really drops. But, you know, it's directed by Jerry Mitchell, who's one of my favourite directors, and there's some brilliant moments of choreography as well. And it's a fun night out. Ultimately, I think if you love Gloria, you're just going to love this show and finding out more about her. You know, she did have this tragic accident, which they tell you about in the second act, and they never thought she was going to perform again. All of that is is a little bit mind-blowing. She has had an incredible life and an amazing love story and so many incredible hits. She has sold over 100 million records worldwide. It's absolutely mind-blowing. For Gloria fans, if you love her music, if you want to find out more about her, I do think it's a good night out and you're going to feel the conga in these more intimate theatres around the UK. So the tour's almost finished, actually. So you have until the 2nd of May to catch On Your Feet on its UK tour. So as I was saying earlier, In The Frame, our interviews podcast is back this Friday and my first guest is the amazing Anita Harris, who is an absolute legend. And what I loved most about the interview was that she just sang throughout. I mean, that's something I personally would never do during a podcast. <clears throat> but yeah, she just kept bursting the song and we had such a laugh. So here is a little kind of preview montage of Anita Harris singing her way through our episode of In The Frame. <laughs> Anita Harris, you're in the frame. And all those sparkly lights all around the frame. Without getting too deep. No, uh, that's not. That's well, not no, no. <laughs> There's no business like show <laughs> business. <laughs> so when she sings, what good is sitting? And maybe this time I'll be lucky. You know, she does it so beautifully. Still have that vulnerability as well that says, I really need this job. Oh, this chorus line. I love a chorus. <laughs> <laughs> this is the best interview I've ever done because oh, it's so you. musical. <laughs> 
grabs me in the way that theatre does, and that's why I love it. But you also are on stage yourself, aren't you? No, I'm not. I love that you said that. <laughs> I'm gonna uh, keep you that infuse, clip. Infuse <laughs> uh, the the want and the gift of theatre. You you must do it. Thank you. Give us a kiss, darling. <laughs> Mwah, thank oh, you, Anita. Thank you. Thank you. She is honestly such a dream. I can't handle it. So uh, make sure you search in the frame wherever you get your podcasts. Hit that subscribe button. And this Friday, that episode with Anita drops. And then we have lots of cool episodes coming away over the coming couple of months. It's all very exciting. Uh, finally, we're just going to talk about all things Broadway. It's been announced that Anne Juliet will receive its North American premiere in Toronto early next year. Um, and I think it's exciting. It's exciting me for the show. Anne Juliet, it's going to describe as this irrelevant remixed love story about what Juliet would do if she didn't die and she became a strong independent woman um, after falling in love with Romeo. And it features the music of songwriter Max Martin, who has written the most incredible songs that have changed the pop world forever, like Hit Me Baby One More Time, Since You've Been Gone, Raw, Everybody, Love Me Like You Do. The list goes on, the list goes on. But I'm very interested to see where the show goes because the, the style in which has been written for the West End production is very British. You know, the, the characters are British, the humour is all very British. And I just wonder how it will translate across the pond. Obviously, these hits, these songs are, you know, globally recognised songs. So there's no reason why the show shouldn't end up going everywhere. However, I just, I think they might have to tweak the book and maybe just look at some of the jokes and the humour and, and see how they change it. And I'm I'm interested to see what they do and and what the future has in store for this this show. And there we go. I did it. Thank you so much for keeping me company for this mini solo episode of the West End Frame Show. Uh, I hope it didn't get too controversial. Hopefully, hopefully we're all good. <laughs> I will be back next week with an amazing guest co-host. I'm really excited about the co-hosts I have coming up over the next couple of months. There's some good ones in there. Uh, and as always, follow us on Frame on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and you can stay up to date with everything that is going on. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the West End Frame Show. If you're listening via Apple Podcast, it would be amazing if you could leave a little rating, maybe even write a little review. And don't forget to check out our other podcast, In The Frame. Series 2 kicks off this Friday. I'll be back next week for another stagey catch-up. <laughs>